Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we're looking at whether income-seeking investors should back the UK or head overseas. And who better to ask than a fund manager who runs both a UK equity income fund and a global equity income fund, and that is Ben Peters of Evenload Investment. For a number of years, dating back to the Brexit vote, investors have increasingly ventured overseas for income rather than backing their own domestic market. And that's where to start off by asking Ben why the UK remains so out of favour with investors. Yeah, it's a really interesting question, Carl. And and I think that post the Brexit uh, vote and then in the intervening years, um, the big thing that happened really on a global perspective was that um, the sterling weakened quite a lot. and when we saw that, um, we did actually see that the UK became quite an interesting market for overseas buyers because assets in the in the in the UK looked um, commensurately cheaper uh, after sterling a weakened post post the Brexit vote. So for for overseas investors, um, the UK started looking a bit more interesting, and we did see a pick up in merger and acquisition uh, activity. Um, I think for for domestic investors, I think that that, that some of that uncertainty has played a part. But my my sense is that the investors are are looking more globally. I think the, the fund flow figures show that, um, and I think that the, that the UK has been traditionally seen as as an income market, and that's tended to be equated to a high yield market. And certainly, you can you can find plenty of high yields uh, in the UK equity market. Um, but uh, talking to investors as, as I do, uh, and I, I manage a UK income fund and and a global income fund. Um, I think there's a, that investors are starting to think not just about the yield that they're getting, but about the sustainability of that yield as well. So not just is a company going to pay me my dividend this year, but is it going to be able to pay it next year, the year after, and the, and the year after that? And, and if you go globally, you do get more choice um, of companies in, in that world. That said, the UK has plenty of companies that, <laughs> that, that fit that mold as well. So so um, it, it's been an interesting time from that fund flow point of view. But actually, I think that the, the UK market uh, in and of itself is as attractive a place for those sorts of um, quality, if I can put it like that, dividend streams uh, as, it, as it has been historically. As you mentioned, you manage both a UK equity income and a global equity income fund. So how do you approach both of those markets? Uh, well, the, the short answer is in exactly the same way. <laughs> so if I can sort of give you the, the brief headlines on our investment approach at Evenload Investment, um, you know, we're looking for companies that, that can you know, sustainably grow their dividend through time. Uh, and companies that can do that can only do it if they generate cash flow through time. So our, our focus is on, on, on businesses that we think can, can grow consistently the cash flows from the business. Um, that, that cash can be used to reinvest in the business, in capital expenditure, but then you know we're looking for for businesses that are, are classically known as asset light business models. So they they do need to reinvest in the business, and we're very we very much encourage the businesses that we invest in on behalf of our clients to do that. But then they do have money left over uh, to do other things with. One of which can be um, uh, paying a dividend. And and as I say, the, the, there are lots of companies in the UK that, that that fit that bill in the consumer goods space and the healthcare space and so on. But also, also globally. So when we started even though the investment in 2009, we started the UK income fund uh, because we were sat in the UK and it was just myself and, uh, and my colleague too who, uh, who were <laughs> who were who were um, uh, running uh, the fund and doing the investment research. Now we've got a bigger team. 
uh, we, we felt that we could go globally, but it's exactly, exactly the same approach. And you can find those qualities of businesses, um, both in the UK and globally. And with both funds, you know, you're aiming to deliver both growth in income and capital. So how do you sort of strike the right balance between those two goals? Yeah, so so we we do look for these qualities of businesses. So the asset like cash generative, uh, good balance sheets, market leading uh, businesses usually. Um, uh, so that's the sort of qualitative um, uh, characteristics that we want and the quantitative from a business perspective. But we we do also value the businesses um, that make it into our investable universes, as as we call it, the the, the companies that that tick all of our investment boxes, and. Uh, so we do have a valuation discipline as well. Now, the nice thing about income is that it does act as something like a, a valuation discipline in and of itself. Uh, but we really do think that that um, if a company is going to grow and can grow its, its cash flow and it can grow its distribution to shareholders, then the capital value will follow. And this is really where the whole even though investment approach sort of came from, was that idea that if we can find these growing dividend streams then what you see through time, and you can sort of plot this on charts, uh, various different companies, where the dividends go, the capital value often follows. And and so really, we're looking for that balance of income, yes, today, a, a yield today, but also like growth in income in the future, and then the total returns that one, one gets, particularly given the risks that are taken in investing in a business uh, are, are attractive uh, through time. So so we are looking for that balance, um, but one sort of follows the other. Now we do evolve our portfolios through time to reflect the differing valuations that are on offer in the market at any given time. And you know, the market equity investing, it's a, it, it is something of a volatile place and we do get opportunities to buy and sell at attractive, uh, at attractive valuations uh, on, on both sides of the trade. But we do make the changes incrementally. We, 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 we prefer really the companies to do the hard work for us <laughs> to, to, to invest uh, and then uh, let, let, let them do the business of uh, operating in the real world as they do and generating their cash and then um, providing those uh, distributions to our to our clients through time. And as you mentioned earlier, um, one key difference really between you know UK income market and you know globally is that there are much higher dividend yields available in the UK market. I'm assuming for investors that is a key attraction um thoughts are on that and also how does it influence how you run money yeah so we we launched the even a global income fund about five and a half years ago now and and um it's a really interesting question i think because when we launched the fund we had about 20 percent of the uh, of the fund was invested in um in uk listed companies and at the time my i, I thought that um probably that percentage would go down because we had analysed, you know, quite a lot of businesses by that point. We had analysed certainly enough global businesses to launch and run a fund. Uh, we we felt, but over time, clearly, we hadn't analysed all of the companies in the world, and we, we would do more, and we would probably end up with um, a lower exposure to uh, to the UK market. Um, what's actually happened is that our exposure to the UK market is still at about twenty percent of the fund, and that reflects that that point about the valuations in the UK. Um, just for whatever reason, uh, being attractive, um, attractive enough to us, for us to have um, a, a reasonably large proportion of the fund in, in UK listed businesses. There's no, there's no right number for that. What we, what we aim for is diversification. Um, those businesses, uh, they are global businesses. They are diversified by where those companies do business. 
Um, so think about uh, some of the bit, some of the UK listed companies in, in in the even a global income fund companies like Unilever, companies like Relex, um, Intertech, Experian. You know these are very very global businesses. So so just because a company happens to be listed in the UK, we don't we don't particularly mind that. It could be listed in Europe. It could be listed in the US. What's probably more interesting is where that business does business. Um, but coming back to the, to, to the valuation point, it does seem that, that that some of the companies that happen to be listed in the UK, high quality multinational businesses, do seem to trade at a bit of a discount to um, those listed overseas, and particularly compared to the US. So, um, so that 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 has influenced how we how we've managed the fund in as much as we're looking for you know that combination of quality and value, and we'll take the value where it is really. Another difference between um, UK versus global income is that the UK market, it's much more concentrated. So in 2022, just 15 stocks accounted for 60% of all dividends paid. I quite often see a large number of these companies in a UK equity income fund's top 10 holdings. But looking at your top 10, that's not the case as you've only got three, which are Unilever, Diageo and GlaxoSmithKline. So could you talk us through why you do have less exposure than many of your peers to the biggest income-paying UK stocks? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And, and the UK market is quite an idiosyncratic market in many ways. It's, it's quite a curious mix of businesses that, that are on there. So if you break it down by, by sector, uh, about 23% of the market is, in, is financials. Uh, we've got a good degree of uh, energy companies there, um, basic resources companies. Uh, so they make, they make up a reasonable chunk of the of the overall stock market listing uh, of, of the UK market, and um, those sorts of business models um, they they don't really fit the financial characteristics that we're looking for um, that, that I've already described in that sort of asset, asset light being able to consistently generate cash um, through time. Now we're not saying you can't make money investing in those sorts of businesses, but they don't really tick our boxes from that dividend dividend sustainability and dividend growth um, perspective. Um, so that's I think that's part of the reason why in the even though portfolios you don't see so many of those sort of big big names. It's also as I say it's not a it's not a sort of a yield strategy, it's a dividend growth strategy. So something slightly different to the market. Uh, now that said, you know one doesn't have to invest in the in the whole market. And um, it is true that there's a sort of dividend concentration in some of those uh, bigger, bigger dividend payers that are in those sectors, but but you know it, it, it's a, it is a, underneath that quite a diversified market. And you can find uh, great businesses we think that are probably more in the mid cap space, certainly on a global scale compared to um, US listed businesses, particularly um, mid cap names. Um, but but where they've got great growth dynamics, they do pay dividends and they they, they do generate cash, and they often dominate a niche. So if you think about companies. Um, like uh, Experian in the in the world of credit referencing, uh, you've got Bunzel, Specialist Distribution, um, Diploma is in that world as well. These are sort of single digit billion to maybe tens of billions market cap. So they don't feature so much in those sort of overall uh, absolute numbers in terms of dividends paid, but they're very attractive businesses as far as as far as our process is concerned, uh, and you can and you can buy them at. At good valuations as well, so we don't have to invest in the whole market. There are great businesses that that tick our investment boxes, and and you know often they do dominate a niche. And um, a company like I mean, Games Workshop is a great example of that. It's a multinational business owns the Warhammer um, franchise, 
Um, uh, I don't think there's another listed business like it in the world. <laughs> Certainly not one like it in the UK. But it, but it's a it's a great um, sort of international success story uh, from the UK. Three billion pound market cap. So um, so that it, it, there there are some great businesses there um, outside of those big names for sure. And for investors looking for income today, is the UK arguably the most attractive market on valuation grounds? And I'm also interested to hear your thoughts on what you think the catalyst or catalysts may be for investors to finally return to the UK market? Mm. Well, I, I do think it's a it's an attractive market from a valuation point of view, for sure. Um, I think I'd actually extend that out to, to Europe in general. Um, I think probably the UK is the most attractive part of the European equity market, if I can lump it all together in one in one but um but i think that europe generally is quite attractively valued particularly compared to the us um and and we've seen that you know in terms of our evolution of the even a global income portfolio to give you an example we had if you go back a few years about 47 percent of the the portfolio uh, in us listed businesses um as we sit here today that's 33 percent, and that's that's been incremental over time uh we have we have evolved the portfolio to where we see better value, and that has, generally speaking, been uh, on this side of the pond. Um, so, so yes, certainly, I think it is it is attractive. Um, uh, and you know, what are the catalysts for investors returning here? Um, I'm, I'm only one investor. I'm, I invest on behalf of our clients. You know, we're here because we see good value, and in terms of the you know, uh, the uh, exposure that we have within the within the even load funds. Um, and ultimately, you know, investors should should go to where assets look cheap and, and buy them. You know, that's that's what, that's what invest, good investors should do. And perhaps that'll be a catalyst. But um, but I don't know. And as as long as as valuations remain attractive in the UK market and the European market, then that's where we'll we'll focus our efforts. Of course, we've got to pay due care, due care and attention to things like diversification. We do want growing companies. We don't want to just be here because. Um, because value looks good, you know. We do want companies that are going to grow their distributions to our unit holders through time. So, you know, we're not just going to invest in anything uh, on this side of the pond. But certainly, those companies that are in our investable universe, we will very happily pick up at a bargain and uh, and, and and be happy holders. I hope. And finally, Ben, could you give us your view on the outlook for both UK and global dividends, say, over the next twelve months? You know, we've seen a pretty strong recovery since uh, the pandemic when, you know, scores of companies, you know, cut, suspended or cancelled dividends. So now that that strong recovery has happened, you know, is there further growth to go or will dividend growth start to slow or moderate? Yeah, clearly uh, um, the COVID uh, pandemic was a uh, an interrupter to dividends and, and companies, rightly, in our view, might seem slightly odd for an income fund manager to say this, but rightly cut their dividends because you know, the, the, the most important thing that a company can do is to protect its franchise, protect its workforce and, and get through a difficult time. And, you know, always as equity investors, we need to remember that we're at the back of the queue in, in, in terms of those those priorities for companies. And, you know, it was right that, that companies um, were conservative with their cash flow, conservative with their balance sheet through that time. Now we're out the other other side, and I, I, I hope we don't return to those those times. Um, and we have seen a recovery in dividends um, uh, since since uh, last year, really, where where things really started to become a bit clearer that the vaccination programs were going to work and so on. 
So um, if you look at the two global, uh, the, sorry, the two in, even load funds, so the even load income fund and the global income fund, they, you know, the, the dividends have recovered uh, for the even load income fund. They're sitting slightly below pre-pandemic um, levels. For the global income fund, they're now ahead of um, pre-pandemic levels, although the yield is a little lower. So, um, uh, so a slightly different dynamic. Um, if we bring it up to date and look at the current reporting season, you know, we are seeing growth continue to come through from companies. Um, uh, and that is interestingly being backed by you know, really solid cash generation. So that's really important for us that companies aren't just paying a distribution because they think their shareholders want it. They need to be paying a distribution because they can afford to do so. Um, so that is you know, being backed by real business performance. That's, that's particularly encouraging because 2022 was not a straightforward year from, a, from an operational perspective you know, with input cost inflation, with supply chain disruption and, and so on. Um, so to see those results having come through, at least for the portfolios that we manage, um, it, it pretty robustly was encouraging. So I, I think looking forward, um, yeah, we, I think we can expect dividend growth. Um, that is backed by, as I say, good free cash flow. Um, so if you look at the free cash flow yield on the even load funds, they're at about 5% or so, um, uh, or, uh, or just slightly higher if you're looking at the forecast for 2023. So so that that covers a dividend yield in the sort of two and a half percent to three percent range, and that gives a lot of wiggle room for companies. So uh, whether we are, whether we're going into a more difficult demand environment this year, it seems that we are. But it's um, you know we'll see how twenty twenty three progresses. But there is at least that kind of buffer for companies um, to uh, get, let them deal with any volatility that might come along, uh, but uh, continue to pay their pay their dividends out in a growing fashion to, to unit holders. And just to give you one stat, if you look at the underlying growth rate, even the global income fund in the most recent uh, reporting season, the, the dividend growth is running at about 12%. So um, I don't think double digits is sustainable sort of year in, year out, but it gives you a sense of the, uh, of the momentum that there is now. Thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.